Hey, it's Melissa Rivers, and welcome to Group Text. Stay tuned for a new episode. Welcome to Group Text. Spreen and I have some phenomenal guests today, as always. Joining us are David Arquette, actor, wrestler, father, husband, man about town, Hollywood survivor, and RJ City, who just wants to be introduced as a raconteur. I feel like that sums it up nicely. It does. Okay, we're here to talk about your new documentary. I mean, Wow. David, you really let people in. Um, I know from my mother's documentary, you have to take a real leap of faith and sort of choose not to leave any part of your life hidden. How how did you, I mean, it's not your first documentary, but how did you uh, decide to do this again? And how did you convince everyone in your life, including your ex-wife and your teenage daughter, I know teenagers are difficult, to your wife, your to your your family to participate. Well, it made it easier that my wife Christina was uh, producing it. So oh, that yeah, that that makes that easier. Yeah, a lot a lot easier. <laughs> so uh, so those those calls were made by her and 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 help. But everyone was just really supportive and helpful. I mean, any good um, any good documentary really is just honesty and just revealing yourself and you know you you, you don't want to I don't know you don't want to it 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 just kind of lays flat if you don't really give up to it and let it but it was so close to me that Christina kicked me out of the editing room and I couldn't be a part of the sort of final cut because I was like oh I can't see that I can't watch that and there's still moments like that I don't know if I'll ever watch it fully again it's pretty difficult well, I know my mom went through the same thing. It's very hard to let everything show. And a good documentary, you have to. Otherwise, it's just ridiculous to even do it. Yeah. We uh, recently started a uh, company with Bryn Muser uh, called XTR, which does a lot of really great documentaries. Like we had a little help in uh, Mucho Mucho Amor, a bunch of little great ones. The Fight that's out right now. Oh, everyone's got to see that. So we really sort of love documentaries, want to be a part of it. And I really just wanted to work with RJ City. That's why I I did it all in the first place. That's why I went back to wrestling. He's just such a a unique character. I'm such a raconteur, I believe. Raconteur. Look, I'm such a fan. I've got his shirt on. Wow. So how did you two connect? Well, he followed me on Twitter, which is probably a mistake. I have a penchant for being quite vile on Twitter. Yeah. I've been I've been blocked by Trump, which was nice and sweet. Anyway, that's like a, that's by the way, that's like a badge of honor, right? I'm now. very proud of it. Tell him very... why you were blocked. Yeah, why Twitter. were you blocked? Okay. So I figured out early on that because I'm verified, if I respond to his tweets, it'll stay at the top of his mentions. <laughs> so this is very fun for me. At six o'clock in the morning, he would tweet, and I would tweet back. So anyway, he went on something about blah, blah, blah. I don't like CNN and uh, MSNBC and blah, blah, blah. So I responded, what about WKRP in Cincinnati? (laughs) (laughs) 
And the next morning, I go, somebody retweeted his thing, but I couldn't see it. I clicked on it, and it's like, you've been blocked. And I'm like, is this like an FBI thing? I didn't know it was good. And it was like the first wave of him blocking everyone. Oh, my God, you're my hero. So it was a lot of fun. Thank God, you. God, that's fantastic. So, how, so you started following, so David, you started following RJ on Twitter. Yes. Yeah. And he kept, well, you know, I tweet jokes. And he would kind of siphon them. He would basically restate the punchline in the replies. I was not crazy about it. So, and I know this is a lot to take in, but on Sunday mornings, I do a show called RJ Makes Coffee in His Underwear on YouTube where I do that. And during it, I, I called him out. And then not thinking so you na- he you would... name-checked him. Yeah, yeah I name-checked him. Uh, not thinking he would respond, but he did. And it turned into a whole thing of us taking shots at each other and his uh, sister got involved. And I don't think anyone knew if it was real or fake and neither did we, which is perhaps the joy of wrestling. Yeah, it sure is. It was fun. I mean, it was silly. He's mean. He's really, it hurts deep down inside. Yeah, and by the way, the Arquettes have you outnumbered. So it really could have ended quite badly for you. Yes. I don't know. He's he's savvy at the, the comebacks and the whole <laughs> process. He's a millennial after. It sounds like RJ is definitely going to hit you below the belt. You better yeah. bring it. Yeah. That's right. He sure does. So, David, just go back to the movie, because I know that's something we really want to talk about. How did this even start? What, what made you wake up one morning and go, I think I want to make a documentary? Because to me, it's really a redemption story. Yeah, I mean... Every sort of good story has some kind of journey and some obstacles, but this was uh, something that was true to my heart. Uh, you know, 20 years ago, I was promoting a movie called Ready to Rumble about wrestling. And in the process, on going on the show, the WCW show, they made me the champion. It was just sort of a publicity stunt and, and sort of thing, but it really rubbed wrestling fans the wrong way. And I'd always like kind of like hurt me. I I thought like I was just becoming a champion as a fan, like every fan's dream. But the fact that I was an actor, the fact that I was from Hollywood, they just didn't really. And the fact that they didn't think I was tough or this or that. And they didn't see it as you doing this, A, for fun, and B, as a love of the sport and promoting the sport. Yeah, yeah, totally. So they got really upset for 20 years. (laughs) I've been getting like hate mail and and, uh, just... So I wanted to sort of go back and find out why they got so upset. What is it about wrestling? What is wrestling? Like, I just loved it as a kid, and I still love it, but I wanted to learn more about it. I wanted to train properly. And when you do that, you find out how real wrestling is. It's a really intense sport. I remember, actually, which you won't remember, uh, seeing you down at the Staples Center when I had taken my son and his friend to a wrestling match, and someone's like, David Arquette sitting two rows behind you. I'm like, what? I turn around. I'm like, wow. You know, you really were like a super fan. Yeah, I loved wrestling. And it always kind of, I don't know, sat wrong with me that that I'd offended the whole community. Well, when I was reading your bio, it, you there was a statement that just kind of stuck with me that just said that this documentary was more like a love letter to wrestling. Do you yeah. feel that way? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of magical stuff in it. There's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's it's really a wild ride. It, the, it's I mean, the documentary is fantastic. Okay. It really is. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, again, I go back to it's a story of redemption. And maybe because I have been around as long, if not longer than you, and have seen your career going ups and downs, one of the things that really struck me, and maybe because it really resonated in my life and in my mother's life, where you said you've been auditioning for 10 years and haven't booked a job. Do you think this might change that? Or do you think people are going to see that and roll their eyes? Or do you think suddenly you might be back on everyone going, ah, we should talk to him again? Because, and you talk about this, you are a number one, a phenomenal actor. You've been featured on the Vanity Fair Hollywood cover with all these guys, you know, Benicio Del Toro, Matthew McConaughey. I mean, we can go down the list, Leonardo DiCaprio. And you suddenly, after Scream, you said everything dried up. Do you think, do you think being so raw and so honest about how frustrating that is and in 10 years you haven't booked a job, maybe casting directors will wake up and go, God, we should talk to him again. Well, uh, you have to understand that the directors were doing a movie that they sort of pick and chose. Right after I say I haven't gotten a job in 10 weeks, I said, it's not that I haven't worked in 10 years. No, no. The only jobs I get are the ones that sort of come from other work or offers. So it's a little misleading. Like, I just haven't been. And obviously, like, wrestling, but also, you know, I have a nightclub called Bootsy Bellows, and there's a bunch of videos of me being drunk out of it, you know, doing a bunch of AT&T commercials. There's several reasons why somebody's career stalls one re- reason or another. And I've noticed that it's often like this roller coaster where you just have to, like, keep going. And, like, it's really important, like, the choices you make when you're at the top. I didn't know that really so much before. But that being said, um, I'm a horrible auditioner and I never get jobs from auditions. So, uh, yeah, it would be nice for, um, you know, casting directors, but I'm sort of, once you, this experience taught me a lot that you really have to do it yourself. No one's going to do it for you. You everything you do, you just have to generate yourself. You have to do content that you believe in, that you trust, you know, people, like my wife at the beginning was like, she didn't get it. She didn't want me to do it. She like didn't understand wrestling. And then I have a new project going on, and it's the same thing. She she like she never believes in me. I was like, you have to believe in me more than anyone. But she usually comes around at the end, and then she got my back. And she really was tre- tremendous in in making this film. And so was David Darg and James Price, the directors. They did an incredible job. Shot a beautiful film. Told a really great story. But a lot like wrestling, you know what I mean. Some of it's like, you know, that I I really that's one of the reasons they kicked me out. I was like, just leave like. The second half, because I don't want to fool wrestlers. You know, the wrestling community is really savvy to what's, you know, doesn't sit right if it doesn't feel right. So they'll kind of jump on you. <laughs> so I just didn't want to, like, get any more hatred like that if they're saying, wait, wait a second, he's worked within this 10 years? No, no I mean, I know what you mean. When we say work, we mean big Oh, yeah. Fancy jobs. Oh, yeah. No, I haven't had fancy jobs in a long time. (laughs) But by the way, what you talk about with the up and down, it's like you're channeling my mother. It's the same thing. It's a do-it-yourself business. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, you just have to believe in what you're doing. And you obviously believe in this film. Yeah, absolutely. RJ, what what made you want to participate with this documentary? 
<clears throat> well, getting into the feud with this man. I was already half in it before I realized it was a documentary and he was working <laughs> on something. <clears throat> so we had met in New Orleans at WrestleMania, which, you know, it turns into like a week-long convention. It's basically like just for laughs now. And we had coffee in our underwear, as men often do. And really? He, I guess so. That's a lot of bro love going on there. Yeah, yeah. especially especially with someone you just met. You're Wrestling's fed. all bro love. I the know. whole thing is like this male uh, drag show with violence. That's <laughs> and RJ's. drag show with violence. That's RJ's. Yes. I just did what he was got mad at me to start with. I took yeah, he's siphoning. Up. Yeah. <laughs> no, my, my theory is that wrestling is the same as... as drag although wrestlers don't seem to be in on the joke <laughs> got it they don't seem to be fully aware of what's going on uh so we did that thing we kept taking shots at each other back and forth and he was getting involved in this we were talking a lot about it there was a bunch of different dates to come up because he had just started training for he didn't know what yet which was kind of crazy and then all of a sudden it was like he picked a date in July, which I guess is like two years ago now. And he said, Hollywood, let's do it. Me and you. And I was like, oh, wow, this is incredibly soon. So we had to uh, throw something together. And, and it went, I think, mildly well. To say the least. Explain yeah. what you threw together. Well, first of all, <laughs> I got to his house and he shows up. Uh, he was training in Mexico the week before and he showed up with three fractured ribs. Uh, probably not the best idea to have your first match with three fractured ribs. So there was In general, a lot. not a really good idea to do much starting no. with sneeze or cough with three fractured ribs. Oh my God, ribs. it is so painful. It is so painful, three. I, I still have like a shock of pain go through my system because taking like, you know, the, hitting this, the mat and everything over and over again. I was like, how do you guys do this all the time? This is so painful. Yeah, I mean, and from someone who's had a fractured hip, like, literally you freak out when you're about to cough or sneeze. Yeah. Yeah. And since wrestling fractured his ribs, you think, you know, the ultimate idea going forward would be to stop wrestling, not to wrestle more. Do you so know who you were dealing with? Well, I was <laughs> learning as we went. Yeah. I could have me... told you that. <laughs> Let me tell you this. If it's a love letter to wrestling, David has really sloppy penmanship. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we put together this match. We did a thing on a red carpet at a movie premiere where I slapped him in the face and it got on TMZ and we built up to this big thing. And at the beginning of the match, he had this idea to be a kind of a character called King David. He wanted to zhuzh himself up a little. Because there's all kinds of stuff in the wrestling business, and I'm Jewish, and I wanted to, like, kind of do... And look, I even have this little King David right there. Oh, and look at that. And also, by the way, we find out how much stuff you have in storage oh, during yeah. this documentary. Oh, yeah. So I, you... I just, you, like, I just got a bunch of it out right now. Like, I'm getting this apartment together. Lots yeah. of storage, lots of stuff. Yeah, and you have, I mean, endless costumes. We know now where to go for Halloween or dress up parties. I mean, so you had a King David costume. Is that how we got onto King David? No, Isla Erickson, an amazing, uh, 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 like, gear maker, designer, designed it for me. 
And it was just sort of, you know, white trunks and white boots and just a, a, a fig leaf where my stuff is. But wait a minute. Also, your original idea was that you wanted to paint your whole body white. Yeah. Like the statue but, but wait, of David. But wait, he is white. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He wanted to paint himself uh, porcelain. Okay, thank you. He, he wanted to be he wanted to be whiter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, RJ, you, you show up at his house and he, and out comes King David. Yeah, and he said, well, I'm going to get airbrushed in the morning. And I said, you know, David, perhaps people are expecting David Arquette to wrestle. I think they may be a bit thrown if you show up, you know, all in white and it's going to get everywhere. Let's let's perhaps skip that. And then he said my favorite line that I've ever heard him say. He turned to his wife and he said, uh, honey, we have to cancel the airbrushing. <laughs> She uh, is a patient, ooh. patient woman. She yes. really is. She's put up with so much with me, especially during this time. But it captured a period in my life where I really was sort of, I don't know. <laughs> there was a lot of things coming together, a lot of therapy kind of like toward the end and figuring stuff out. Even like this electromagnetic, I don't know if anyone's had that kind of therapy. It's pretty- Well, you did the ketamine therapy, which we've I actually done a whole show on. I did ketamine therapy as well. Yeah, a lot of therapy, but thankfully we made it through healthier than ever. And uh, and that's really, you know, <laughs> was the, that's what the sort of journey of the film is. Yeah, so RJ, you were just like, what the hell am I doing here? Yeah, well, I thought, you know, well, we have this feud. Let's figure out just the best way that this can work physically and tell a good story about two people who don't like each other. Um, he wanted to make his entrance on this pedestal, I guess, a <laughs> Olive Garden-type pedestal. He put it in the middle of the ring. And Do you get extra bread sticks to this Olive Garden? Well, he was very lean. I think he really uh, foregoed the breadsticks for that, and I was very impressed with him. But he got up on the thing, and... You never turn your back on a bad guy. And I'm a bad guy. So I snuck up behind him and I knocked him off this pedestal and he went flying out of the ring. And then after that, it was like, all right, like this is on now. Let's go. And he had a suede weight belt with him that he suggested I hit him with. And I didn't suggest it. You had you it. did it in the heat it was of the there. moment. RJ, protect the business. What's wrong with you? No, no. Okay, listen. Let me put it like this. For something that is fake, wrestling could be a lot more fake. <laughs> yeah, but that, that, that hurts so much. I don't know. Oh. But all I can tell you is you, they, you guys get really hurt. You yeah. know, yeah. I, yes. I've gotten to meet a lot of wrestlers. My son was a big John Cena fan. We met oh, yeah. John Cena. And, you know, we've, you know, we've had a bunch of them on Fashion Police. You guys get really hurt. For as fake as it is, the injuries are not. Yes. There's really no trick, unfortunately. Uh, it's not as clever as it pretends to be. Uh, so I definitely uh, hit him incredibly hard with this belt twice, which was fun. Oh, also. Because once wasn't enough? No. You really want to get the two. It's, it's an old uh, wrestling show business rule. Also, which was a little awkward, that was the first time I, I met his daughter. She was in uh, the third row. And I was just <laughs> oh my beating up her father, which was a little <gasps> odd. David, have you saved enough money that all of your children will be able to go to therapy? Oh gosh, yes. I know they definitely will need it. Everyone. Well, that's okay. I have a special Everyone friend for needs... Cooper. Yeah. Oh yeah, everyone special... needs it. You have to. You have to like 
figure out what your pain is. You have to sort of come to terms with it. You have to do everything you can to, I learned all this new stuff. There's an amazing book called uh, love yourself. Like your life depends on it. And it's all about reprogramming your neurotransmitters and your, the way your sort of brain thinks and those rabbit holes you go down, how to redirect them to a positive rabbit hole. Got it. I, I, you know, we're gonna have to add that to the text of this because people should be reading all those books right now because we're all going a little bonkers. Yeah, I mean, sure. you really got the wrestling community to participate, uh, you know, specifically Ric Flair, who's like the yeah. godfather. He really is. He's incredible. How did how did you approach sort of the traditional wrestling community, meaning the ones that are well known, like a Ric Flair, and say, look, I'm not making fun of this. This is a really serious project for me and did they believe you well a guy named eric bischoff uh used to run wcw sort of when i came in uh and i i'd known him for years after that we did uh some other things in the entertainment world he's a really great producer smart guy so he was a real sort of uh avenue in but i had met rick flair 20 years ago when i was wrestling in wcw and other guys kind of like they would, they liked me, you know, I'd always been respectful to the business and to the guys. So, uh, you know, well, we thought we liked him until we showed up to do an interview with, with Eric Bischoff and, uh, the nasty boys who were throwing this legends of wrestling event. Yes. Got really upset. <laughs> and, uh, that's in the film. It was our first day of shooting and we got in a big bar fight. Yeah, and I saw you're calling. You're calling Christina, going, "Hi, honey, didn't go well." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But how did you convince someone like a Ric Flair to say, "No, look, I'm not making fun of the sport. Like this is something very personal and very important to me." It was really a favor. I mean, Rick, Rick and his wife, Wendy, who's incredible. They really sort of were very supportive. And Diamond Dallas Page, he was. Uh, I got to know him really well. Yes, DDP, bang. He, uh, he has DDPY, which is a yoga thing, which I used to lose a bunch of the weight during this and uh, started me, my, me on my sort of weight loss journey. And he was really How much helpful. did you lose? I lost 50 pounds. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was- I mean, uh, what, On a totally separate note, what he's also doing with veterans, Diamond Dallas Page and the, the yes. yoga- is pretty uh, phenomenal. If people don't incredible. know about that, they should they should Google it. Yeah, it's a, it's a really great way. He's really inspirational in his whole workout routines. You know, it really helps get started, get in the groove. Because once you're in the groove, you kind of need it every day, and you have to get those endorphins. Did did this isn't this the movie has not come out yet? It was actually supposed to open South by Southwest. Yeah. So how frustrating is it that? You put your life and soul and for you, it's a lot of emotion and really burying yourself to have it all pulled out sort of out from under you. Uh, it was a lot. I mean, I was going to see RJ again. Now he's quarantined in Canada where we're not allowed to go and he's not allowed to come. So uh, we had a big match with, with an incredible wrestler named Effie planned. And then all of it kind of got scrapped. It's been a weird, we had a movie in, in Tribeca after that, you know, it's been a really wild time, but that's sort of, you know, nothing compared to what people are going through. So, you know, having a premiere, uh, 
you know, canceled or film festival. It's like, you know what I mean? But what's really interesting, I think, I know I keep saying that over and over and over again, is you've been invited or were invited to all these very prestigious film festivals and, like I said, opening South by Southwest, being a part of Tribeca. People are really looking at this as a serious documentary and an important one because obviously you're getting into all these film festivals. Did you expect that or did you just think I'm doing this for fun or, but the, or, you know, just for my own personal journey. Yeah. There's been this incredible critical response. Well, as you know, like when you're in this business, it's 30 years now for me, uh, you learn a lot about storytelling. You learn a lot about how the business works and, you learn a lot about filmmaking. I've directed several things. And uh, so I knew, it, you know, with these incredible directors on the film and, and the producers uh, that it was going to be a great movie. I mean, who, we didn't know what was going to come out of it. We didn't know how crazy it was going to get. We just, we know how to tell stories. It depends on sort of what your content is, how, what kind of story or how, but um, yeah, well, a lot of it just is trusting in yourself and doing it yourself. And so I'm, I'm curious, you've built a wrestling stage in your backyard. I cannot imagine how your wife feels about that. But RJ, do you too have one? Is that something that the bro love decided to just, you know, do together? Let's have matching stages in our oh, backyard. <laughs> I would have loved that. I don't have the backyard that is right for it, unfortunately. But we did work uh, quite closely. And so... After we wrestled, we decided to become an odd couple tag team. Uh, and we teamed all over the place. And it was basically our version of Clifford. And he was Martin Short and I was Charles Grodin, if you will. Um, to quote a very relevant film, obviously. Um, but no, we worked very closely in designing our own outfits, our matching and outfits. What Describe for us the matching outfits. Please. Well, this guy, oh, he's, he's getting I them. I go get the cape. Oh, God. He was big on bedazzling everything. Yeah, he, he does, when you, especially when you look inside that that those two storage lockers, lot of lot of sequins, Listen, lot of that's rhinestones. The, that's and, the actor in him. Come and a on. lot of capes. Okay, you but do you yeah. have a pertinent for capes? Yeah, I, I do. It's funny you should mention that. <laughs> <laughs> I had this cape made for for us by Isla Erickson as well. No, and RJ was like, watch a cape. And I was like, yes, a cape. The man in his sequence. <laughs> yeah, there's not enough capes in our in our clothing culture today. You know, and I did win a golden uh, hanger. Yes, you did. When your mother. Many years ago. Yes, that was one of the great thrills of my life. But RJ's hilarious. He loves everything sort of like your mom's whole generation, that whole uh, style of, of, I don't know, entertainment. I mean, but I love the it. fact that people can't see that. It just as you did that, you perfectly flipped the cape over your <laughs> shoulder. <laughs> well, yes, of course. I mean, seriously, between you and Elvis and Liberace, you got to, you know. You're I up own, there in the in the Cape Pantheon. I own Elvis's watch, Liberace's shoes, and uh, yeah, I always collected costumes. Oh, and uh, Johnny Cash's black suit and boots. No way. Yeah. Oh my goodness, RJ. And what does your your wardrobe look, look like? I'm a little more refined 
And I think, you know, I like just simple colors, something a little plain. My last pair of tights was like a nice sand color. Ooh, I wait, you better be fit to wear sand. Well, yeah, that's light, the thing. Light colors are a privilege, not a right. Yes, especially when people are hitting you in them. Yes. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a wrestler. He's always watching his weight and uh, eating a lot of asparagus. Too much asparagus, if you ask me. We like we 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 were married essentially. That's what it's called when you go on the road together and you get in a car and, and you wrestle together. So we made a we made a ton of matches that didn't even make the movie, but they were really incredible learning experience for me. But it was funny. He wears this uh, hairband, like real, like. I have it on. I'm teen, wearing one right now. Yeah, yeah. teen girl hairband all the time. And I'm like, that's really just interesting. You do it, and nobody talks about it. I think you should. <laughs> <laughs> you should not, not in front of you, at least. I think you should get it. I think you should get like a RJ City thing on it and sell them. That would be a fine <laughs> idea. I could. I could go to like. It would be good for the right by the register at Forever 21. Yes. <laughs> Are you interested in a headband? Yeah. Sure. Um, why but not? No, David's uh, fashion, if I may, he's one of the only people who dresses in real life just as ridiculously as he does in wrestling. He's one of those people who, like, every item, everything is a thing. <laughs> there will be leopard pants there will be airbrush shoes nothing there is no cohesion and sometimes he would walk out when i would stay there and i'd say let me ask you a question what is the first article of clothing you put on and how what, did you build the rest around it sorry, sorry. what did you what did you start with like i'll wake up and be like i want to wear this particular pair of shoes you've got to always have to have something that's the basis He's oh, the oh i love the face mask i yeah, love that i have a mask with the luchador wrestler on it but uh, what were you saying? Uh, something hit me. Oh, the uh, everything is everything. Oh man, I, I forgot. Now you're expecting oh, no, me no, to remember. I, oh no, no, I remember. I it occurred to me somewhere along that because rock and rollers can dress any way they want, and wrestlers yes. dress crazy, and that's why I loved Elvis. I mean, I was born in 1971, so Elvis, Liberace, all these people were like my fashion inspirations. So I always kind of stuck with that and loved that. And then nobody dressed like that. And then when I dress like that, people make fun of me. So now that I'm a wrestler, I can dress any way I want. Yeah, I can dress. Totally. David, when, when Liberace <laughs> went home, he took the sequin cape off. And you're currently wearing one as we do this um, podcast. I, uh, by the way, that is not a good example. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. Tell him. That's not a good example because I think perhaps – what he wore at home may have been even a little bit more extravagant. Yes. Fair enough. Oh. What do you wear, David? What do you wear to, and I ask this as a parent and having had a famous <laughs> parent as well who sometimes humiliated me and I'm sure I humiliate my son. Do you tone it down for like parent-teacher conferences? Yes. I typically, like I always dress wrong, like if it's a black tie, I'm too casual. <laughs> if it's, I always kind of mess it up a little, and I don't mean to, or my subconscious does. I don't know. Because a but black tie is pretty obvious. That's a hard one to spot. Pretty I mean, clear, I but you can also like spice it up here and there. <laughs> Which is how you want a golden hanger. Yeah, yeah. RJ shaking his head. No, he's so like, what, no. I've been on what, the road with this man, and no. So do you? <laughs> They like you know tone it down when you have to go to the parent teacher conference or a school thing or 
Yeah, you know, I do. Like, I do. I, Although now, literally after this movie and and my newfound sort of uh, self acceptance, I'm not going to listen to anybody or care about it. I'm just going to dress the way that makes me feel happy and fun and and you know moody when I want to or however, just comfortable. Yeah, but happy and fun does not always jibe with a teenager. I know. Coco's, it doesn't matter. Coco's been really cool about that. When the boys get a little older, we'll see. I'll have to, you know. I tried, like, khakis and a, a polo. Like You're not a I khakis guess, and polo I guy. Like, I made the right khakis and the right polo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have some khakis with Felix the Cat on them that I love. That's all the ways you could do that in a normal shirt for a school conference. Totally. There's I ways mean, of doing it. I agonized when Cooper and I were touring colleges and doing all the interviews. I literally had a separate wardrobe for that. Because oh I'm such God, a jeans a and lot. teacher person. And I had like the dress that I could travel in. It was very hot because it was the summer. So I had like the rain outfit, the touring the school outfit, the actual interview outfit, so that we didn't look loony because I remember when I was touring schools and it, my mom, who was always dressed so beautifully, was never understated or casual. And um, that, you know, you always were like, please. And I, you know, I'm trying to be more aware of that with my child because, you know, you don't want them to be judged by your own crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's that's the kind of thing that, it might embarrass them in the moment, but it's also stuff you look back on and like, oh, I love that about my parents or whatever. Yeah, well, not getting into Williams because of the nightmare <laughs> of my interview and my father and my mother and my oh. godfather still has me scarred. Oh, Just giving no. you a little advice. I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> so, Mel, I, that's a segue in. So, you're, so I want to know, with RJ, you said you made a statement some time ago in an interview. You said that you were trained to wrestle by Jerry Lewis and the Catskills. Is there any truth to that? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, kind of in the sense that I, I'm really not a, a traditional wrestler. And we both, uh, David and I, really bonded over old show business because his family's been in it for generations. And really, I guess our tag team act is probably the closest you could get to a vaudeville act. Of like, It would be like if Laurel and Hardy were a tag team. I, I think this is kind of it. Uh, but however, we also have between us a Jerry Lewis fetish, uh, if you will. And he sent me a j uh, jacket that was custom made for Jerry and he has one. And so I guess when we meet each other again, we'll, we'll wear them together. I also yeah. found this new magazine. I won't say it, but it's, it's, it's a tabloidy magazine, but it's got like all these old characters that we love. Yeah. Oh, Dick Von Dyke, Carol Burnett interview, Mary Tyler Moore. So, RJ, I'm, I'm getting you a, a... Please send it to me. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. I, I love a lot of old Hollywood, too, but you hit the one person who, you know, obviously because women can't be funny. Oh, God, that's the worst. Interestingly enough, Melissa, as a bad guy wrestler, his real-life personality was a pretty strong basis for me in how to be a bad person. I found it very illuminating. But I love the fact that you use it as an example on how to be a bad person. Yes, because well, that's what a heel is. He's like the it's it's like this this amazing world where it's good versus evil. It's good guy, bad guy, and you're supposed to boo the bad guy and cheer the good guy. 
And uh, I don't know, this whole storytelling that you tell from that, a lot of the times without even dialogue. But RJ usually gets on the mic and it just becomes like he's totally putting me down, like just tearing me apart. I'm sorry, RJ, I got what, this thing on and I can't stop it. Yeah, RJ, I gotta ask, what is your personal life? I mean, we know who David is and his family. And yeah, I mean, RJ. It's all hanging out there. What is my uh, personal life? Well, I, I make coffee in my underwear. I watch old YouTube videos and I berate David. I think that's pretty much- No, but are you single? Much... Are you married? Are you dating? Do you have kids? I'm, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I date. Uh, to the tolerance of uh, how much a woman would want to hear about Jerry Lewis. <laughs> you know, Anyone, what's your longest relationship? Oh, uh, seven years. Okay, so you are capable of sustaining a relationship with a man or a woman, <laughs> yes. do I dare ask? Yeah, yeah, I'm, well, I'm capable of it. Yeah, I think well, I get, I have a broad uh, demographic of people who are interested in me. Okay. Well, and I got to say, it, listening oh, go to the two of you guys, you two are life partners, too. I know David's yeah. got a wife, but y'all are life partners. Y'all are going to be together yes. for a while. We're really the Jack Lemon and Walter Matthau of the wrestling world. You really are. So, uh, RJ, I got to ask another personal question. Go ahead. Um, she likes to get in people's business, I, RJ, I, if you have noticed. I do. Well, David, for his entire life, pretty much, as I, which I can relate to, has had everything good, better, and different sp- spiel, splo- thrown out there. Yeah. I don't even know what the word is, whether it's about you or I your family. I got no secrets. I got a big mouth, yeah. But so does your family. Like, everyone's <laughs> yeah. just out there. You know, we so do. it's something I can very much relate to, and you're dealing with someone who's obviously very repressed and closed. So I feel like it's my opportunity to pull shit out of you. Yeah, RJ. shock me, please. So what do your parents think? <laughs> I'm not going to shock you, but I just want to know, what do your parents think? No, I said shuck me, like an oyster. Shuck. I said I'm shuck ready like to an be, oyster. yeah, yeah. watch your hands, it let's, can cut a main let's, artery. And let's find the pearl. <laughs> um, well, uh, what do my parents think? When I was 10 years old, I have a card, a trading card from when I played hockey, and it said future ambition, wrestler slash entertainer. Uh, which is a bizarre thing for a 10-year-old to say. And that's bizarrely, yes. exactly, in a vague sense, what I became because I didn't know the word tour at that age. Um, I think my parents were like, let's just support things he likes. So it was wrestling and basically the Muppet Show for me as a kid. And you can't become a Muppet, unfortunately. So <laughs> wrestling seems to be it. I think my mother, I don't think she's thrilled with it. I think she's happy that I wanted to do something and then I ended up doing it. But... Oftentimes she would say, you know, I think you would have made a very good teacher. <laughs> she likes she likes throwing that out there, just so I know that my skills could be applicable in other areas. RJ, you know, that's a mom's love. To, yes, your mother should know you're a very good teacher to me. You really helped me learn this wrestling yeah. business. I so got a hell of a protege I got. Thank you. <laughs> you know what, RJ, you should also do voiceovers. You have such a wonderful voice. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Sh- is sucking up. Uh, <laughs> Listen, I tell the truth. You know that. You don't like it most times. You're right. I don't. Um, we have our own act going. Uh, we do. We're kind <laughs> of life partners, too. So 30-something years of working together. Let's do a nice double bill in Atlantic City when this is I all over. So. I think so. I think we think do. I think so, too. Ebony and Ivory and the Jerry Lewis team. I think we should just get it together. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> 
RJ, a couple last questions. Yes. What have you learned about yourself through doing this documentary? Oh, that I'm the adult in the group? Uh, that are, David... you usually, are you usually the adult in the group or just... Yes, I'm very much the cautious one. And David completely did a trust fall into the wrestling business. And I've never seen that before, ever. Never really asked questions, said yes to everything, and figured it out as he went. And I had a genuine fear for him sometimes because his commitment and dedication to doing this was that strong. Well, that's why you're a good actor, David. What did you learn about yourself? Oh, man, I've learned, like, everything. I don't know. It was a total transformative experience uh ton about wrestling but um the main thing was like you you have to love yourself you know i mean i know people say that and and it's sort of cliche but like you have to really get to that place and deal with all the demons so that you can get to a place where you you do love yourself and you're not beating yourself up all the time and uh even in wrestling, like there's an element of we, we really are beating our your bodies up. And RJ is really funny when he'll say, like, I, I'm not doing that. You know, I won't no. Like and there's a real good like when you're going over a match beforehand, there's a real good term you should learn. It's what else you got? <laughs> <laughs> Which I learned way down the line. And uh and so so yeah, so just love yourself. That's really the the most important because you can't, you know, really be there for other people if you don't get that down first. Uh, what does uh, dare I even ask? What's next? I, I'm scared to actually ask this. So. Boy, they they both smile. Oh, I have Scream Five coming. I'm about to start in a little while. That's fantastic. That's going to make yeah, a lot of Scream fans so. happy. Yeah. So next is Scream Five, and and. RJ? Oh, I, have a, I have a movie coming out um, mid-August called Spree. That's really intense, really dark horror sort of film, uh, psychological horror film called Spree. And if you go to Kurt World's Kurt World 96, I think. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's the kid's blog. It's part of the whole movie. It's pretty crazy and wild. We'll be and RJ, what's next for you? What is next? Um, since I'm in Toronto, wrestling shows and comedy shows are slowly starting again. So I'm going to dip my toe. I have a show, I think, next week. Nobody knows what it's going to be like, a wrestling show. So I'm interested to see if people are receptive to the hitting again. In the meantime, I'll just continue berating David on Twitter. And the movie comes out August 27th. Yeah. yeah, yeah it I gets released so. August 27th. For anyone who's interested, I have to tell you, it was really compelling. It's very emotional. And I don't know if it's emotional for me because I know you or because I understand our business, but it's truly a very moving story of of, of redemption and of, of growth. Uh, it's not just silly. And I think that's sort of the magic of it. And very authentic. It, it just, there's that feel. Yeah. So uh, send the love to the wife. I will. Send your love to whoever it is, RJ. Thank you. I can't thank you guys enough. And I'm going to people... follow you now, RJ. Oh, yes. My apologies yes. in advance. He is so hilarious. His tweets are incredible. He's really such a star. That's what one of the, my favorite parts of this. I keep telling him, kid, kid, it's going to happen. I'm trying to get him on a talk show. <laughs> None of these talk shows are having us. 
Well, RJ, we'll have you anytime. That's Thank right. Thank you, guys. And That's David, right. I'll have you anytime. Love you. Thank you. Love Everyone. you, too. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Bye.